Who is here for the very first time? Yes, you raise your hands. You're here for the first time. Yes, don't worry. You're not going to get stuck with like a thing. Though, though I wouldn't blame you if you thought that because things happen like that here. Hi, this is Catherine Lasota, host of LIC Reading Series, a monthly event at LIC Bar in Long Island City, Queens. In this episode of our podcast, you're going to hear the panel discussion from our November 12, 2019 event, which was a special evening that focused on the topic of female rage. This evening, we had with us Lily Danziger, Leslie Jamison, Darcy Lockman, and Shelley Oria. You're also going to hear from the Magic Silver Box, which is at all of our panel discussions at LIC Reading Series. I ask audience members to put questions into the Magic Silver Box, and if I choose a question from the box during the panel discussion, the audience member who asks that question wins a prize. If you want to hear the readings from this evening, just listen to our previous episode. And now let's start the panel discussion on the topic of female rage with Lily Danziger, Leslie Jamison, Darcy Lockman, and Shelley Oria. Look at this crew up here. <laughs> Lily, Darcy, Shelley, Leslie. <laughs> So the way this is going to work is I'm going to ask maybe a couple of questions and trip on my microphone cord, and then we're going to get into the magic sewer box after we talk up here for a little bit. And you guys feel free to question each other, too. Let's get interactive. It seems so obvious now that it is magic silver box that I feel so embarrassed. <laughs> <laughs> Just like one of those things. What did he say? My, the what did we say? Sexy did and say? special. Most. Most special and most sexy. <laughs> I'm going to move this microphone a little bit closer to your I have to say, face. Yeah. I have to say also, Lily saved me because I literally stared at you and could not think of one <laughs> thing to guess. So. <laughs> Just being honest. It's, it's rough up here on stage, right? It's like a lot of pressure. So be gentle. I hope you were gentle in your questions. Ha ha. That's totally why I couldn't guess, because I'm on stage. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think I want to start off and get your thoughts a little bit on, I know something that is uh, covered a bit in the essay that Leslie Jameson read from about women's anger and this idea that um, angry women are hard to for people to accept because they're viewed as what harm could she cause me rather than she's been harmed and maybe that's why she's angry. Is this something that resonates with you? You could speak to a little bit about, yes, as Lily's like, mm. <laughs> Oh no, I just realized this is the hot seat in multiple ways because now I'm first in the line. And that was <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that was something that came up a lot in Burn It Down is that when people see an angry woman, they rarely question why she's angry, what it might be that she's angry about. And it instead becomes this like, whoa, what, you know, what's going on over there? Like it, it becomes a threat just because she's stepping outside of the role, you know, which, which I think has also a lot to do with Darcy, what you were talking about of like, if, if you're a mother, you're supposed to behave like a mother all the time. If you're, a wife, you're supposed to be a nice, good wife. You're supposed to be a sweet friend. And, a, you know, you're supposed to be this one thing. And women aren't supposed to be angry. And it freaks people out. They don't know how to deal with it. Right, and women themselves. I mean, one of the interesting experiences I had interviewing mothers for this book 
um, was hearing women really walk back their anger quite a bit. So I, you know, when I solicited women to be subjects, I asked for women who had been frustrated with this dynamic in their own relationship. So I was specifically talking to women who had reached out to me because they were angry, um, but they would often walk it back and say something like, well, but my husband or my partner does a lot more than other men. So I should really just be grateful. So people would like rewrite their anger as gratitude, which was really hard to listen to. To. It happens so regularly. Wow. That's such a good way of putting it. Rewriting their anger is gratitude. And there's so much rewriting our anger as women, rewriting our anger is sadness, which is what mm -hmm. like we've all sort of touched on, which is, I mean, I'm not saying anything new by this, but it's just how we've been socialized, right? Like it's not feminine to be angry. It's not attractive. It's not okay. Rein it in. So, I mean, and it's certainly just not the topic of tonight, nor do I personally feel super uh, invested in, in exploring it. But it's also true that men have been socialized in all kinds of ways that have fucked them up, for sure. Yeah. This is just that happens to be one way in which we've been socialized in a way that have, has fucked up us up and also all of civilization. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I think part of... Um, well, I, when when you were asking the question, I was thinking about this amazing moment from um, ter ter Teresa Marie Mailhot's memoir, um, Heartberries. Okay. I don't know how many of you have read that, but it's a great book. And there's this there's this great moment where she's I mean, I'm sure it wasn't great to live through. But um, in the memoir, to me, both affectively and craft wise, it's this great moment where she's narrating being pregnant in a car with her partner and she gets angry and hits him. And it's just like not a moment we see very often a pregnant woman hitting somebody. And I think it's a moment where, you know, she's not um, denying her own culp culpability for causing harm in that moment, but just simply by putting that documenting that moment, like making that moment part of the canon of literature. She's showing this thing we don't see that often, which is like a woman inhabiting the most sacred feminine archetype, the pregnant woman, the woman who's like <laughs> doing what she's supposed to. But she's like also full of rage and causing <laughs> harm. And I think just like trying to keep those both at once moments in our minds feel so important. And I think with with in my many months of thinking about um Tanya and Nancy and Googling Tanya and Nancy, I, you know, at first it really struck me was that it, these two narratives that seem to be opposing, like, did you love Tanya or did you love Nancy? were really just yeah. versions of the same thing, which in both cases we found this sort of caricature dismissive way to describe an overly emotional woman, whether she was like too sad, too wounded, too angry. They were all sort of like mix and match versions of the same too muchness, even if they seemed on the surface to be these narratives in opposition. Mm -hmm. Neither one was able to hold multiple things at once. Mm -hmm. I, I have to say, I think just speaking from one previously pregnant woman's experience here, like the idea that you're the ultimate womanhood is to be pregnant and then also to be angry is not a womanly thing. I'm like, I was very angry when I was like very in touch with a lot of emotions when I was <laughs> pregnant. So it's just the way that women can get suppressed yeah. from just natural ways of being, right? So it's so important to find these things in books and see like, oh yeah, thank you for writing this down so we can see this exist. Do you guys feel like anger or rage uh, plays a role in your impetus to write? A lot of deep breaths in. <laughs> <laughs> 
I was really embarrassed earlier. I was agreeing so hard with what so I did that like annoying reading sound thing into the mic where I was like, mm, mm, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're gonna try not to do it again. I definitely do that. I mean, I feel sort of it would be embarrassing to say no when I just read a story about a woman who murders men. <laughs> so you know, I must have some. Re- I mean, it's fiction as I have previously emphasized, and yet like I wrote it right. She so don't protest be- <laughs> too much. <laughs> exactly. Right. Like I would, I think, appear to be protesting too much or not in touch with my own psychology to say I just channeled you guys like a thing that passed through me and has nothing to do with my own psychology. So no rage here. And and it doesn't bring me to the to my writing desk. Uh, So, yeah, I'm going to go with a yes. I think that at times rage makes me write. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've got to say my whole book um, began with the experience of being so angry at my husband. Um, I, for the first few years we had kids, I just kept thinking, why are we living this way? We both work. Why am I responsible for everything at home? And all the women around me seemed to be living the same thing. Mm-hmm. And I was so mad all the time. And I finally thought, well, I, I can figure out why we're still living this way. Like I can use my skills. Mm-hmm. So the whole, the, you know, the project and all reading all the research and interviewing all these women, like I was enraged the whole time I was writing. It, it's hard. I mean, it's hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it wasn't, it wasn't easy on any of us. <laughs> I think so. The first year of Trump, sorry to invoke the name. <laughs> it's nice cozy space here, but <laughs> I, I was doing a lot of um, like op-ed writing um, and that I, I had like um, contract gigs where I was writing two pieces a week for Playboy and two pieces a week for Glamour. And that was how I kept myself from completely just losing my shit and collapsing into sorrow and exploding into rage all the time every day. It's like, okay, I have I have this platform. I have this opportunity to like not only just walk around my house and scream, but like explain to other people why they should also be walking around their houses and screaming, you know, and it was an interesting challenge to writing like for those two totally separate, like, I mean, you know, on the surface, you think like Playboy and Glamour are maybe opposite audiences. And so tailoring, like, how am I going to explain what's fucked up about what's going on and like what are the most fucked up parts of what's going on and what should you care about and be angry about and pay attention to um and so channeling that anger in that way and using you know using the anger and also using the opportunities that I had to write for these big popular platforms to like explain <laughs> you know what explain as best I could what was going on and what mattered and what to pay attention to and I you know I was imagining Imagining the reader who was either overwhelmed or checked out and not really following all the little minutiae of every little thing that was happening the way that those of us in media were, you know, and, and saying, okay, I can, I can do this service and pick out the few things that are the most important and articulate why everybody should be just as angry as I am. Uh, <laughs> Make your case. Yeah. <laughs> L- Lily, I think it's so interesting that you saying that writing about that, and I was going to ask, have has your relationship to anger changed over the years and maybe particularly in the last three years <laughs> or so. But um, the, the idea that um, writing about it kind of kept you sane. And I wonder if writing about these emotions or tapping into these emotions in your writing ever leaves any of you feeling depleted because it can 
they can be intense things to 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 dive into, especially if we live in a society that tells us to suppress them all the time, and all of a sudden we have to figure out how we're going to access them, right? But I think it's almost the opposite. I think it, for me at least, it gives me energy when I go through that process because there's nothing more depleting than the work of suppression, suppressing suppression, mm-hmm. you know, of our mm-hmm. emotional truths. Like that is actually that takes a lot of work. That's mm-hmm. really exhausting. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just thinking in the context of what we were talking about, and I think Lily has heard me say this before, but the thing for me that's interesting about anger is that it's just the most sort of deceptive of all human emotions. And I uh, I also worked as a life and creativity coach. So that's something that comes up a lot in my work. So while it is true as I absolutely believe, I think, as we all know, yes, women have been socialized to not present as angry. I think it's also true that often when actually a woman or a human being is angry, there's also a lot of sadness that they're not acknowledging that's hiding under Mm -hmm. there. So that's just true. I mean, we all have a lot of feelings. So arguably, that's just true for a feeling. Like if you express one, there's one underneath it. But I find just in my own personal psychology and in my own work um, and through writing too is something certainly that I try to capture. Anger is the sneakiest one. Like it just (laughs) so often is hiding under other feelings, but also when it presents, I'm like right away, like letting the person like let it out, let it out. And then like, let's go to see like what is actually under there. Cause it is a really sneaky one, at least in my experience. Does everyone, everyone else on the panel feel like empowered to to get these emotions on the page that you usually have to suppress in society or told to i don't uh you know i mean it's a great question i was honestly i was just thinking about how inspired i was about 12 hours ago to get some of those emotions uh in my uh in an in the page of an email um (laughs) (laughs) um, and i do (laughs) um it it was funny because i don't actually have um don't have real like rage attacks that often and I did have one this morning and then I was thinking it was so I didn't know that I was going to get to come to this carriage house in Queens I knew that I would come to a carriage house in Queens but I didn't know that I would get to shout into a room of people (laughs) shouting it was the perfect day for it I think I really like what you were just saying Shelly because I think you know in the kind of rush to not rush, but the the kind of beautiful collective movement of embracing female anger. I think it is also important to talk about like the ways in which anger can still be an incredibly destructive emotion mm-hmm. and can like block us from a certain kind of clarity about the other feelings that live underneath it and alongside it. And I think that's why in writing about it and talking about it, I often just come back to certain ideas about simultaneity. Like it's not just like embracing the anger. It's also like thinking about the anger sometimes as a kind of um, like a flare being sent up by somebody trapped on a desert island or something where there's like something there to look at and the anger is that flare, but it's not necessarily the end of the story. Yeah. I have been um, interested to hear from people who, you know, you get reactions from readers and people say, like, I had to put this down because it made me so angry. Mm-hmm. Um, and some people don't like that, uh, feeling so angry, apparently. <laughs> and some people <laughs> some people feel like, um, I, I guess, as you say, kind of empowered by it. So I, I got kind of depressed re- doing all the reading I was doing um, in, like, gender studies and social psych and sociology 
Uh, it's hard. It's hard to look at it, but it's really nice to have a clear view of something. Mm-hmm. Like better to know than to not know. Um, so I think if knowing makes you angry, and that can lead to some sort of action, um, you know, mm-hmm. powerful. Right, anger can be destructive and mm-hmm. also very productive. Obviously, it reminds me of um, Audrey Lord on guilt, where she talks about how on its own guilt can be an incredibly static and useless feeling but when guilt is the beginning of knowledge or the sort of Mm -hmm. catalyst to knowledge then it it, you know can become transformative but it's like it's not the guilt in its own right that like earns you a gold star or does some good for the world it's like guilt is the beginning of something yeah maybe anger too yeah yeah Yeah. Yeah. i can't yeah i mean i agree with all that and Shelly, we talked about this before as well, but I kind of had the opposite experience where like, yes, sometimes anger is the flare, but then sometimes anger is the thing underneath, mm. right? You know, like I, in the the memoir, you know, I wrote a lot about my childhood and my parents and both of my parents were heroin addicts, but I grew up and I was like, well, I turned out fine. So, you know, <laughs> no big deal, right? And, <laughs> and through the process of writing about it and writing about what I thought was grief of my father's death uh, the more I wrote into it the more I discovered mm-hmm. that actually I was fucking furious mm-hmm. and was and I, I found all this anger mm-hmm. that I had no idea was even there um and it felt great after the fact but it also was depleting you know and it got to the point I you know I was in the middle of all this and I I skipped Thanksgiving with my mother while I was in the middle of this draft I was like I can't see you right now <laughs> like I can't sit at a table and eat mashed potatoes with you and cool you know (laughs) and you know luckily she's you know very um empathetic pisces so she was you know she's like okay well if that's what you need so so, yeah and that way it was both i'm glad that you're bringing this up lily um right as we're about to get to thanksgiving again because i'm sure that people will be dealing with rage at different levels very soon yeah as we enter the holiday season Um, and also I, because of time, I'm going to get to the magic silver box right now, but I do just want to leave something to maybe think about as you mingle after, because I just heard up here, um, this idea of, uh, Leslie, you were saying, uh, anger is a flare from a desert Island. <laughs> and then Darcy talking about anger and, and being able to do something with it. And I think is anger, is there a feeling of it like isolation in anger and does it become useful when we all come together? <laughs> with our anger, right? Which we're doing tonight Mm -hmm. in this lovely carriage house in Queens. So we have to think think among yourselves. Um, We have to get into the magic silver box and we have to decide who's gonna get the first question and this is how we do it here. How we decide who's gonna get the first question. I am thinking of an animal that is gray. Seal. Oh, okay. Leslie's going to jump right in. <laughs> no, it's cool. I love it. Jump right in. Okay. It's in my, it's in my head. Go. Leslie says, seal. Shelly, animal that's gray. Elephant. Oh. L-O. <laughs> you took Darcy's, took apparently. My, Darcy, what are you going to say? I know another say? one because my kids have a lot of stuffed animals. Wolf. Wolf. Mm. Okay. L- L- Lily. The first one that popped into my head is a gray cat. Okay. <laughs> so, we got seal. Elephant, wolf, gray cat. I feel you on the gray cat. I used to have a gray cat, but that's not the right answer. <laughs> uh, the right answer is 
rhinoceros. Um, rhinoceros. Um, we like to give away little plastic animals here at LSE Reading Series, so the asker of this question is going to get a little plastic rhinoceros. Um, oh, so who's closest? Shelly, I think, with an yeah. elephant? Yeah. Yeah? Do you agree on that? Sometimes it's close. Sometimes it's like, I don't know, but I think... The seal is the rhino is often called the rhinoceros. No, the no. <laughs> <laughs> Close, but no. <laughs> not in not in Queens, Leslie. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> so the asker of this question will get a rhinoceros and a drink ticket. What? Um, Shelly, right? Yep. All right. Hey, Shelly. I have I got a question for you. Who asked this question? The question is, what makes female rage different from male rage? <laughs> That's a good question. You're about to get an answer. <laughs> um, it is gray. <laughs> I feel like we sort of already answered that. Doesn't that feel semi-true? I think I'm I'm at the risk of sort of repeating myself, but the main difference that I'm thinking of is how is what we culturally sort of accept. Um, and I should say there's obviously class components and, and race components to this. So it's not only a gender um, kind of division, but if we are thinking of it through gender, like what is, what is anger that we, I'm like, I love how I'm like only talking to you <laughs> like for a solid 15 seconds until now. I'm like, okay, this is the deal with gender and rage. Um, yeah, I have no answers also. I should always like, I've been like doing this tour with this Me Too book. And so I'm getting all these like very Me Too, you know, big questions about like Me Too movement and like what next and very big questions that I wish I knew the answers to. And then I make them up and I start by saying, I don't know anything. I'm a writer who edited an anthology. So this is mine. Um, but yeah, I think honestly, I think that is the main thing. But then what happens in the human body as a result of that? Like what does what happens in the body to rage does get processed that gets even legitimized in certain circumstances for again for certain men of certain um to like straight straight white men of a certain class is what i mean like what happens to rage in their body by the fact that just through the fact that it gets processed and at times even celebrated and encouraged and accepted culturally but like what happens versus the body of a woman who's really told she should not feel that let alone display that so that's that's something I've been thinking about. Mm -hmm. Does that answer the question? We're alone. Okay. Definitely. Okay. Okay. It's a good question. It's a good question. Enjoy that rhinoceros. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Shelly, you're out of the running for the next question. But I really, um, we're coming up on the end of the year, and I, I have a lot more plastic animals here, so we're going to do the animal thing again. Um, we'll, go over, we'll go in reverse order, though, and we'll start with Lily. And I'm thinking of an animal that is a black. Black. Just a black, black cat. <laughs> no, no. And a crow. A crow, says Darcy. I would be embarrassed if I couldn't think of one. Um, a dolphin? They're partly black. Dolphin is partly black. <laughs> this one is. It's a black dolphin. A spinner dolphin. A spinner dolphin specifically. Okay. All right. We're going to give you spinner dolphin. Leslie. Um, an ant. Wow. Oh, good one. So we have <laughs> the rhinoceros of the land. There we go. <laughs> All righty then. An ant, a spinner dolphin, and a 
a crow. Ooh, this is tough, guys, because <laughs> it wasn't even that exciting what I have here. Maybe Shelly should be so mad if it's a black cat. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Where'd it go? Where'd it go? Oh, it's hiding. Owl. Is it an owl? What? Oh, oh here. No. Oh, that's a good one. I should do that one next. Oh, no. It's a black bear. Literally, no name. one was close. Yeah, it's yeah, close. So I, so, uh, I mean, really I mean, I don't know. This is tough. Bears swim. Bears do swim. I think Darcy has a point. We, who says Darcy gets it? It's a mammal, but is a crow not a? No. Oh no, I don't know anything about animals. I just give them out in plastic form. Okay. All right, Darcy. So the asker of this question is going to get a black bear, the land animal, no. no. <laughs> the dolphin no. of the land. The, the, something. The dolphin of the land. The spinner dolphin of the land. And you're going to get this, but you're also going to get a gift certificate. What? Yes, it's true. If I'll, I'll find it. But it's a gift certificate to the Astoria Bookshop. Good for in-store purchase. Go visit the bookstore. It's lovely. Take your gift certificate. The question, Darcy, is <clears throat> how do you deal with male groupthink? Trademark. Male groupthink at work slash socially without resenting men you generally like? Who asked this question? Oh, good. Good question. I'll come to you. Thank you. I, I really appreciate that question. Um, because I think you deal with it by not only liking them. Um, you know, we're talking about duality and holding two or more feelings in mind. And I think you have to know that sometimes you hate them in order to actually keep liking them. And I, I'm not really speaking particularly about men. Actually, I'm speaking about anybody, right? Any relationship that has any intimacy at all requires some degree of acceptance of both your positive. Now I sound like a clinical psychologist. Wow. I going to say requires some degree of hate. Some, <laughs> some degree of acceptance of the fact that you love and hate. So oh, I'm not, I guess that would be my more general answer. But like, how do you do that? I mean... You know, like uh, one of the things that I one of the ideas that I kind of came upon that I landed on right in all the research that I was doing was um, like individually, none of us are quite responsible for the social pressures that make us who we are. Right. Mm -hmm. We're all kind of part of this system. And of course, we all there are pros and cons to being on either side of the like gendered divide, I guess. Um, so being able to love and hate them. And then also understand that there are forces kind of, I don't mean people shouldn't take individual responsibility and think about their behavior, but like beyond their individual control. And, you know, when I think about um, intensive mothering, which is the thing that I read about, like people will say to me, you know, people are asking me questions when I'm not talking about the book, they'll say to me like, well, isn't this just really women's fault? Because, you know, they're so type A and they're so insistent that they're right all the time when they're parenting. And I hate that question because it just feels so misogynistic. Mm -hmm. um, and it really disregards the fact that, you know, there's a lot of social pressure that we aren't even quite aware of when we become parents of how, like, 
how much we are driven to like behave in the mother appropriate ways. So I think too, like if you think about say men in the workplace, there's a lot of pressure on them to behave in male typical ways. So I think if you both experience your hate and have some sort of sympathy toward them mm-hmm. for um, mm-hmm. for the roles that they are really forced into, it might be mm-hmm. easier to to tolerate or to talk to people about what's going on without being, you know, accusatory or blaming and just, I don't know, talking about your feelings. So wait, so. Darcy, feel your hate and also empathize. So I'm seeing, I'm, what I'm hearing is emotional labor. <laughs> well, <laughs> yes. Um, that, right, right. Sure. I think it behooves us all to, <laughs> to, to take that on sometimes it, just for yeah. our own internal well-being no right? but all of us yeah all oh, of us oh, right all, all of us yes all should of us. maybe do that <laughs> yeah thank you that was a very good answer thank and a very you. good question we are right. down you're out of the running now sorry no i'm relieved no thank you're you. relieved okay <laughs> it's down to leslie and lily you guys i'm gonna keep going with the animals because clearly it's a good thing and i can't wait to s- to hear what leslie says next <laughs> We are thinking, uh, we being me, I'm thinking of an animal with a long neck. Ostrich. Lily just jumped ahead and said ostrich, and it sounds like Leslie wanted that. No, I was going to be surprising and go with ostrich. um, I'm going to go with flamingo. What? Two birds. That is why they're last. (laughs) Two birds. We have the same. I'm going to need get the question. Clearly, I'm going to need the audience's help deciding who gets this one. (laughs) So we have we have. Lily says ostrich and Leslie says flamingo. And Shelly and Darcy say giraffe. Oh. <laughs> what did Shelly? You want to jump in? We, no, we both just said giraffe. Like that's the obvious. Well, it's not even giraffe. Uh-oh. Oh, all right. Well, well now you're being really. But it's not a bird either. So, who is closest oh, to camel? Oh, I don't like the description. Oh. Wait, you don't think a camel has a long neck? Yeah. Look that's at not, it. Look at it. It's not a defining characteristic. <laughs> I think the audience feels like this was rigged. (laughs) It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. We still need to pick. (laughs) Raise your hand if you think an ostrich is more like my convoluted long-necked giraffe. (laughs) Hands down. Raise your hand if you think flamingo is more like my convoluted long-necked Camel. This is like a this is like a nightmare that I want. Okay. <laughs> You're not getting it. It's going to it's going to Lily, I guess. Right? Is that what we just decided? All right. Yeah. <laughs> Lily. Yes. You're gonna get a question now, and the asker of this question is getting a camel. You can decide if the neck is long or not. Google later, maybe. <laughs> and. A gift certificate to LIC Corner Cafe, very lovely cafe in the neighborhood. Um, lovely coffee drinks, but also um, sandwiches and pie and cookies and muffins. Our son loves the muffins and scones. <laughs> if you go, you'll probably see me there. I'm there like every Carl, day. Carl, what are all the things that are being? <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, gift certificate for LIC Corner Cafe, a camel. Lily. Yes. 
if you're a millennial with rage <laughs> and you know your mom has the rage, but she doesn't know it, <laughs> how do you approach the subject? Who asked this question? Good question. Yikes. <laughs> I feel like that's a question for Darcy. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking the same I'm thing, but I'm going to let, I think you'll be yeah. more creative, but I don't know that I have a good answer for it, honestly. <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, this is a, that's a tough one. You know, as a person whose mother not very long ago broke her hand in a bar fight, I don't really know how to deal with a mother who's not in touch with her rage. <laughs> I could give you the opposite wow. answers. Um, but, I mean, I feel like I should say at this moment, give her a copy of Burn It Down, right? But also, um, <laughs> right? Saleswoman. That's, uh, right? That's um, a good answer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I mean, I don't know if, you know, if you know that she's angry, but she doesn't know it, I don't think you can tell her that she's angry any more than you can tell somebody that they shouldn't be angry, right? Like, I feel like being told, we all know being told calm down is the worst thing to tell to somebody who's angry. So I feel like also telling them that they're angry if they don't think they are kind of goes along in the same way. But, I, you know, I mean, I think with anybody who has anger or like any emotion that they're not dealing with, giving them the opportunity to think about or to talk about what it is that they do think they're feeling or know they're feeling or whatever they are feeling in that moment, you know, and that like fostering a healthy dialogue where they're able to speak about their experience and the emotions that are on the surface for them. I think talking through your experience is very similar to writing through it where it, it gets you deeper and deeper into what's underneath and that, you know, maybe she has space to, to talk about whatever it is that she thinks <laughs> you know it's happening that we'll probably give her an opportunity to get to the anger under it that's my non-certified <laughs> mental health professional guess <laughs> that's good. I, I, I love it so as you enter the holiday season be sure to talk to your family members <laughs> <laughs> thanks lily guess what leslie you don't have to guess any animals this question's all for you <laughs> No, I won't be able to leave this room until I finally get one right. <laughs> Leslie, what's the animal? <laughs> and eater. I'm going to give Leslie an animal. Oh, wait, I just had one I wanted to give to you. Uh, well, whatever. You're going to get a beaver. <laughs> Happy female rage. <laughs> All right. Enjoy. So, <laughs> the asker of the question that you are going to get, Leslie, is because we really like books, I'm going to give out one more gift certificate to the Astoria Bookshop. Whoa! You're so lucky tonight. <laughs> Um, oh, I just had it. Hold on a second. I got really excited about that. Um, Leslie, what is what are you going to name your beaver? <laughs> you know, 
honestly, I was just, I was looking at it, I was thinking, oh, this is just the right size for a toddler to, like, eat and die from. <laughs> um, but I was thinking maybe I'll let my daughter name it, which um, probably means that it will be named more, because that's the main word that she says about everything, more. She's very in touch with her own desire. So she's like, more the beaver. More, more the, the beaver. beaver. <laughs> I like it. Okay. The question, Leslie, is what is your go-to cathartic activity when you are filled with rage? Oh, winner on the side here. There you go. Enjoy the books. Well, emailing. (laughs) Emailing people I work with. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. I wouldn't recommend that. Um, You know, to be honest, I, I feel like I should say, like, I go for a run or something like that. And like every once in a while I do, like I feel like exercise is like a very constructive thing to do with anger. Um, to be honest, I, and this came up briefly in the essay. I, I, when I get really angry, I almost always throw, throw something. And actually this morning I threw and I threw an app. It's, I'm about to say it like some interesting confession. It's like the least boring, like sober 10 years. I'm like, this morning I threw an apple. Um, I, <laughs> I, I threw an apple across my apartment. But then it was so cool because I was having all this guilt about like, oh, my daughter just saw me like lose it for a moment. And uh, But then she was like so interested. She watched it. And then she just said, apple. <laughs> like great there you go um <laughs> she called it not more not more i know that's true that would have been great more <laughs> that's amazing very quick lightning bonus round one word answers you're all going to answer so the answer asker of this question gets a dope dope gift certificate to the gantry restaurant which is like two blocks up the street same owners lsc bar Go there tonight if you can catch before their kitchen closes at 11 or come back before our next event and grab dinner. One word answer. Sorry, you don't get an animal, just a gift certificate. Ask her of this question. What is your definition of rage? Literally one word? Like Two. I mean, I'm just like, you know. I'm very literal with these things. So then... First thing that comes to mind. What is rage? Go. Let... Fire. Okay, fire. Shelly says fire. Mitch McConnell? <laughs> Ooh, Darcy with the political reference. Nice. Okay. Lily? I'm going to say physical anger. <laughs> I was going to say explosion. It's not really a definition, but it's the word that came to mind. I love it. You guys, let's end the evening with some explosive applause. <laughs> For our amazing panelists, Lily Danziger, Darcy Logman, Shelley Oria, and Leslie Jameson. Yay! That's today's show. If you like what you heard, tell a friend or leave a review wherever you found us. Special thanks to LIC Bar, the Astoria Bookshop, and our amazing intern, Nadine Santoro. A big thank you to our sponsors over the years, LIC Corner Cafe, Sweet Leaf Coffee, Court Square Diner, and The Gantry Restaurant. This episode was recorded by Carl Jacob and mixed and edited by Justin Alvarez. Our theme music is by Pat Irwin. 
The LIC Reading Series is made possible in part by the Queen's Council on the Arts with public funds from the New York City Department of Cultural Affairs in partnership with the City Council. I'm your host, Catherine Lasota. See you next time in Queens.